In today's episode, we'll be exploring cryptozoology, a field of study that searches for unknown, legendary, or extinct animals whose present existence is disputed or unsubstantiated. Cryptozoology is interested in creatures like Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, and other lesser-known entities like the Skunk Ape or the Lizard Man of Scape or Swamp. Many who are devoted to this discipline are frequently the subject of public ridicule, but nonetheless, their commitment to discovering the existence of certain cryptids exists. But for these cryptic creatures, are they unknown physical creatures, mistaken eyewitnesses, enterprising frauds, or something else? Why are people so fascinated and enthralled by the idea of these types of creatures existing? And this fascination and belief in cryptids or monsters goes back to ancient times and creatures like dragons, trolls, and other mythical beings. What are some reasonable explanations we have for the existence of these kinds of common folklore across various world cultures? And is Bigfoot real? If he is, where's he been hiding? Welcome, everybody, to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast where we talk about the Bible and beards and everything weird and in between and worldview and our favorite 80s movies and many topics. I'm joined by Gabe. Gabe Rutledge. Gabe, Gabe Rutledge. Hmm. That's your name. It's, it's Gabe, Gabe Rutledge. You get two middle names or a first name and a middle name that are the same. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I typically introduce myself as Gabriel because there's way less confusion, potential for confusion. Uh, just the other day, my doorbell rang and I answered the door and there was uh, one of my neighbor girls. She's probably like 13 or 14 years old. I have no idea. And uh, she's new to the neighborhood and she was asking if Noah, my eldest son, could come out and ride bikes. Sketchy. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So... <laughs> I was Watch like, out now. I was like, actually, he's not home right now. But I was like, you know, and and so I was like, you know, I'll have him uh, check in with you when he gets home. I don't know what I said. And then I was like, oh, and hey, I'm I'm gay, by the way. And she goes, oh, you're cool, you're cool. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> what? And I was like, yeah, my name is Gabe. And she goes, what? And I was like, my name is. <laughs> this is Gabe. What does Gabe mean in in hipster youth? She thought slang? she thought I is was it... specifying my gender, sexual orientation. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, "Oh no, you're cool. It's cool. It's all right." Well, let's let's talk about this scenario. Why in any universe would a man, if a neighborhood girl knocked on the door and said, "Hey, can I ride bikes with your thirteen year old son?" Would a man just go? You know, he's not home right now, but let me tell you something. Let me just drop <laughs> something about my sexual preferences and orientation. He's not home right now, but you know what? I'm gay. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I just don't understand, like, in what universe that would be acceptable social cues. I have no idea. But, but you yeah, know, 13-year-olds don't really know social cues. So I just I walked back into the house, and I walked in the kitchen, and Stacy was in there doing something. I'm like, Stacy. I feel like completely <laughs> emasculated right now. She's like, it's it going to be okay. And she's like, like no, the neighborhood that. girl thinks I'm gay. Oh man. Oh, well, so my first teaching assignment <clears throat> when I was uh, teaching in like East Tennessee and uh, it was a really rural school 
and I was driving a station wagon. Uh, I don't know if you remember my gold Ford Focus station wagon. You remember mm-hmm. that car? Yeah, yeah. Um, all the boys in my class came up to my desk, and they had found out that I had a girlfriend at the time, and they were like, Mr. Brooker, we heard you had a girlfriend. I was like, yeah, that's right. They're like, well, we thought you was gay because you don't drive a truck. <laughs> so in in rural East Tennessee, if you're listening from any place in rural East Tennessee, just be careful. If you're not driving a truck, the rumor mill is afoot. Hmm. And uh, you got to make sure you let everybody know that. I remember you, we used to rag on you about driving that station wagon. I know. Your your response was, well, my cello fits in the back. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we were all like, that's not helping your kids. <laughs> exactly. You drive a station wagon and you play the cello. Yeah. How on earth are you ever going to get married and have children? Mm. No. But life finds a way. Yeah, says Dr. Ian Malcolm. So I've got a mild life announcement, not an exciting one, not a boring one, but a somewhere in in between. Yeah, let's Uh, hear it. I'm heading up to Washington, D.C., beginning of June to lead lead worship three nights in a row uh, at David's Tent on the National Mall. How cool is that? Yeah, there's a 24-7 tent that's set up there on the National Mall right outside the Smithsonian uh, Museum. Wow. And uh, yeah, so the Alabama is scheduled to fill in all of June, basically. So every so state... So the band Alabama is going to be playing? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But every state has a... No, every state has a week. And so, you know, Alabama awesome, is the first or second week in June. And so, yeah. That's yeah. awesome, dude. So I'm trying to so figure if anybody, out... anybody lives in the D.C. area listening, they can come by and mm-hmm, say hi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll be there yeah. uh, June... 9, 10, 11, and each of okay. those each of those evenings from like 5 to 7 p.m. I'll be leading worship. That is awesome. So Gabe is going to be sitting in with the band Alabama, mm-hmm. um, playing the songs Mountain Music and Dixieland Delight. Mm. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's really cool, dude. And we'll it's just changing, like a... We'll be changing the lyrics just slightly. Jesus is my delight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, the, of course, the song Angels Among Us. Mm. I believe there are oh, angels among us. And if you don't live south of the Mason-Dixon line, you're probably wondering who the band Alabama is, but you can mm. look them up. But Gabe's not really sitting in with the band Alabama. He's representing the state of Alabama at a worship kind of marathon event. Yeah. That's really cool, man. You just completely quenched the spirit. I know. I'm sorry. I'm no, you're good. But I was thinking, you know, on my way back from D.C., I might pass through Tennessee. Do it, do and then maybe it. we could do like a uh, an in person episode, and that record. would be amazing. Or just like bro hug for an awkwardly long time, forty five minutes. Mm. Yeah, no, that'd be sweet, man. I'd be really cool to see you guys, um, and it'd be really cool to do an in person mm-hmm. here's a Bible event somehow, some way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, let's talk more about that when you get offline. Okay, that's cool. Also, I've noticed you've started running. Yeah, I have. I have. Um, I've. I've. Kind of a long story. My. Uh, my mom met a man who lives in the neighborhood who has been courting her. Mm. And for those who don't know, my my dad passed away. I think it's been six years now, and uh, so my mom's been single. And there is a kind gentleman who approached my mom, and uh, they began to to date, and uh, so we call him Bob the Suitor. <laughs> but he has 
he has a son who's just a little bit older than me. And Chris, if you're listening, hello. He, I know he listens. Um, but uh, so Chris and I are, we are provoking one another to get in shape more and uh, nice. run, and we're going to run a marathon in November. We're going to sign up and, and run Dude. the space, space coast marathon. So yeah, That's yeah, awesome, man. we were actually, we were actually at the gym last night and uh, I'm, I'm feeling it this morning, but we ran a, yeah. we're, we're stretching out our run times, uh, our, our distances. We just ran a 12 mile day before yesterday and awesome, uh, man. yeah, working our way up. There. You should sign up for the middle half marathon in Murfreesboro in October and we can run it together. Yeah, we're looking to do a half marathon before we do the full. Um, yeah, that might be too close to your uh, actual full marathon because it's in no, it's in usually in October. The middle half is, but it's nice okay. and flat. It's a good, it's a good easy race. Really, you wouldn't think one. you wouldn't think one in Tennessee would be would be flat. Yeah, in Murfreesboro, it's mostly like downtown <clears throat> Murfreesboro, mm. and there's a bunch of hilly ones. I could give you some some hilly races that if you you're filling up for that, yeah, like the strong gym. In Bell Buckle and the RC Cola Moon Pie, uh, or the Nashville, the Nashville Marathon was last weekend. That's a that's a crazy one. That's a Fanny Buster. Really? Yeah, it's just hills upon hills upon hills upon hills. So yeah, I was, I was talking to a friend, and I, this friend has run. Uh, I was first of all, I was like, "Have you ever run a marathon?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, I've run dozens of marathons." And I'm like, "Wait, what?" Like, well he's like maybe yeah, no big deal he's like he's like maybe maybe more like 15 and i was like well yeah but still that's the crazy that's over a dozen yeah yeah and uh i was like do you have any do you have any advice and his wife was like don't do it don't don't even bother doing it and i was like you've run marathons she's like don't even waste your time preparing for it. it's like it's just a complete waste of time oh just, man you get a certificate and i was like dude that is so anyway it's a nihilistic way to look at it but i'm like i'm like you guys ran like combined 20 plus marathons together and you're telling me wow. no, it's just it's funny but anyways well, I, will I, say, I love it I, I will say this um there's a difference between me running i've never done a full marathon i've done half marathons 10ks 5ks a triathlon um but when i first got into doing races there was like this like uh like fire in my belly to like prove something to myself mm -hmm. you know like you kind of have that as like a like in your you're in your 20s you know yeah and um, when we planted the church, when we had Grace and Judah, my, my two other children, I, I kind of didn't have time to train for one, um, got a little bit out of shape. And then this past summer, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sign up for a race and I'm just going to do it. So I did. And I found that I did not have that same drive mm. in my mid 30s that I had in my 20s. Mm. Like I just didn't have that same competitive like fire in my belly to prove something to myself. It's just different, you know? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, I so, think they call that a testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Low T Center. Uh, yeah. You can get your testosterone levels checked. No, it's just, I don't know, man. Like, it was like, I did uh, okay. I, I, I had a good time. I, I, like, my my actual time for the race was, was one of my better times. But it just didn't, I don't know, didn't feel the same crossing the finish line as it did before, like, in my early 20s, or my mid to late twenties. Like it was just kind of different, you know, yeah, you just kind of yeah. lose that as you get older. But for me, that's like, it's just something on my bucket list. I've, I remember I wrote this thing out when I was 16 years old and one of them was to run a marathon. Yeah. And then in addition to that, it was to hike through hike the Appalachian trail. So I'm like, I'm not getting any younger. I better complete yeah. these things sooner than later. So I might as well just start working at it. And why Absolutely, I have to man. complete that, I have no idea. Just self-fulfillment, I suppose. But yeah, 
yeah, it's it's been cool. And Chris is uh, he's in way better shape than I am, and he's a he's a crew chief on Chinook helicopters for the army. And so he's oh wow, That's he's awesome, like man. super gung ho, and and he's getting other guys, other soldiers in his platoon on board to to train and, and to run this with us. So, Dude, um, yeah, it's it, man, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, speaking of bucket list, for some people, their bucket list item is to prove mm. that certain animals, either unknown, legendary, or extinct animals, exist. Mm. We're talking about cryptids, of course, which is the topic of our episode today. We are exploring the paranormal. This is our last uh, installment for this series of exploring the paranormal. And um, really, the paranormal is divided kind of in... And three big categories. I mean, of course, there's other subsets, but the three big are poltergeist, ghosts, and spirits. We talk about that in the first part of this. The second is UFOs and UAPs. We talk about that in the second part. And then the third is cryptids or cryptozoology. And so if you're wondering what that is, it's basically the pseudoscience. It's not really science because you're not using the scientific method at all. You're starting with the premise that this thing exists and then going after Certain animals like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, Chubacabre, mm. the Jersey Devil, <laughs> um, or the Makula Mamimbe, and we'll, we'll kind of define those. Um, so cryptozoologists, they are uh, looking for these creatures. They're called cryptids. And uh, this is not really a branch of zoology. Um, it's not really a branch of folklore studies because folklore studies kind of um, – holds to the idea that these creatures only exist in people's imaginations, but cryptozoology says, no, these creatures actually exist. And uh, this was kind of founded in the 1950s by zoologist Bernard Hovelmans. I think I said that right. And Ivan T. Anderson. So that's the, that is the, uh, I don't want to say science, but that's the field of study, if you will, that many people get into. And Gabe, you've probably met folks that are into this, as I have met folks who are into this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Who's who's to say I'm not into it? <laughs> <laughs> no, you got a picture behind you. If you're watching YouTube, you probably yeah. see Gabe's little setup. Gabe, you, you help us understand who this uh, who this gentleman is in the picture behind you and his significance. Yeah, this is Dave Sheely. D- d- getting the thing down here. This is Dave Sheely. I don't know if I can. Yes. Florida man, Dave Sheely. Yes. And uh, Dave Sheely is uh, the essence of a true man. I mean, just you can (laughs) tell he spends three to four hours in the gym every day. Uh, By gym, you mean? Impeccable tan. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Dave Sheely is a man that I just happened to uh, find when I was in college. And uh, I don't know, just just developed this like cult-like obsession with Dave Sheely. Mm-hmm. To the point, I mean, he sold this DVD of him going on different uh, hunts and excursions mm. looking for this mystical swamp creature in the Everglades called the Skunk Ape. And yes. uh, so it was, you know, it was obviously kind of just like this funny obsession I had with him. And <laughs> We uh, called him one time. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. So we picked up the phone one time. We called his yeah. hotline, his Skunk Ape hotline. Mm-hmm. And I carried on a full blown conversation with Dave Sheely in a fake, that. a fake uh, Southern accent. Yep. And uh, and he was very cordial, very congenial. Yeah. We uh, hit it off. We hit it off. Yeah. yeah. We, were, we were just like bros, immediate bros. Yep. 
And uh, so, yeah, I told him I needed to come down there and visit his uh, his skunk ape research center, as he calls it. And uh, and it's on Lake Okeechobee in Florida. Yeah, it's down there in down there south of south of Okeechobee, somewhere in the Everglades. Yeah. Um, he has a little campground, and so I, I remember in, in the DVD, one of the things um, I, that really stood out to me was him riding on his riding lawnmower around in his his <laughs> RV campground there and picking up trash mm. in his riding mower. Yeah. Um, all the while keeping one eye out for a, for a skunk ape. You, you never know. know when skunk ape's going to show up while you're mowing your grass. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, some folks that really get into this. Uh, I think it's safe to say they have a very um, obsessive devotion to said thing. Like our friend Dave Sheely, it seems as though his entire life is devoted to finding this creature um, called the skunk ape that Dave Sheely claims to have multiple encounters with. Um, Smithsonian Magazine has written an article on him uh, it's called On the Trail of Florida's Bigfoot is the Skunk Ape, an Imaginary Creature or a Case of Mistaken Identity. And you can look it up, and it's really interesting, but basically Dave Sheely is interviewed by the Smithsonian Magazine. He talks about how he had an encounter in 1974 while he was deer hunting. He said there was this uh, basically ape-like creature that had a pungent odor, mm-hmm. and uh, he encountered it behind his house. And then he talks about in the article how he's had three other sightings. Um, you can actually go on uh, YouTube and you can view one of his videos that he claims is the skunk ape. It happened in July of 2000. And you can watch the video. Um, this is how the article describes it. The creature spends a minute or so mosing around in a hummock of palm trees. And shortly after it begins striding across the open swamp, but about a minute 48 in the video, it breaks into a long limbed run as though suddenly aware it's being watched, escaping into the grove of palm trees. Sheely notes that at the time the swamp was covered for by over a foot of water, making the animal speed, which he estimates to be 22 miles per hour, impossible for any human being to achieve. So, um, if you look at that video, and I've watched it several times, kind of looks like a guy in a gorilla suit. That's just me. Um, have you seen that video? The Blasphemy. <laughs> I, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in his his DVD when I got it. That was yeah, was powerful. It was powerful. <laughs> yeah. Um, the National Park Service wildlife staff basically denies it, saying there's never been a substantiated sighting of this creature. Uh, there's a lot of different like motion activated trail cameras. Nobody has ever been able to spot this creature on any of them. Uh, one researcher for the committee for skeptical inquiry who's written about Bigfoot says the empirical evidence is extremely weak and it's almost entirely eyewitness testimony. And Sheely's response is that, Hey, look, this is the swamp. Things quickly decompose. This is the largest area of protected land east of the Mississippi. It's rarely visited, yada, yada, yada. He's got all these reasons for why this creature has never been found, contacted, or remains of the creature are there. Um, and so the Smithsonian article asks this question. I think this is really interesting. Is Sheely a visionary biologist, a mistaken eyewitness, or an enterprising fraud? And so I think when we come to the topic of cryptids and cryptozoology that's really the question we ask ourselves is this um a visionary 
field of science that is unexplored. Um, do we have the case of mistaken eyewitnesses? So there's different kinds of creatures that are getting mistaken for different things, right? Mm-hmm. Or do we have a lot of fraudsters or hucksters out there who are uh, making money off this? Or is there something else going on? And so I think that's an important thing to ask. So Gabe, what do you think for, for cryptid creatures? What do you think that would be? Unknown? Uh, frauds? Field of biology? What do you think? Mm. Depends on how, how sensationalized I want to keep this episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I think they're largely imaginative uh, products mm-hmm. of people's imagination and uh, various, I mean, it just depends, but um, desire for fame, desire for notoriety, um, boredom. But yeah, I mean, it's just with the amount of technology we have and the amount of people that are pushing and developing into woodlands and and forest and developing all these places you would think that these things would surface and we i just am yet to see any concrete evidence for it and it's um you know it's just it's you would think with more eyes and more cameras and and more connectivity to the internet that's out there um, we would we would be able to scrounge up some more credible evidence for these and we haven't sure yeah i kind of lean towards that as well um Obviously, the the most popular cryptid I think here in the states is Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> they have entire, you know, organizations devoted to finding Bigfoot. Um, a lot of uh, different sightings of people claiming to see this kind of creature. Um, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of reported sightings of this. Uh, the most popular Bigfoot video um, you can. Look it up on YouTube. I believe it's the Gimlet. I'm trying to remember the name of it. And if you're a big Bigfoot guy, you're probably really mad because I don't know the name of the Bigfoot video. Let me Google it real quick. Uh, let's see. While you're looking that up, I just I love okay. that Dave Sheely refers to himself as the Jane Goodall of skunk apes. <laughs> That's just it's just a beautiful phrase. The Patterson Gimlin film is what I'm thinking about. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the the Jane Goodall of skunk apes. Yeah, except for Jane Goodall actually hung out with real life gorillas. Um, yeah. So I mean, there's like this obsession with this creature that everyone um, has at least some familiarity with, right? And some people mm-hmm. find their identity in being a Bigfoot researcher, which is very interesting because you can't really research something that isn't proven to be exist, but um, you know, all other names for this creature, the Yeti or the Sasquatch, um, and other places. Um, and then obviously the Loch Ness monster in Scotland, there, there's a obsession with that as well. There's a creature called, uh, Champ and that's from Lake Champlain. That looks kind of like, um, <clears throat> Loch Ness monster, like almost like a plesiosaur. Um, that's, that's different than what Dr. Rutland used to call every male on <laughs> campus. Yeah. Hey there, champ. <laughs> uh, and then there's, I just thought this was really funny. The Loveland frog. Mm. Have you ever seen pictures of what people call the Loveland frogman? No, but I'm quickly typing it into the interwebs right yeah. now. Um, it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's, it's a humanoid frog. Ooh. Did you, did you see it? Yeah, but I'm, I, Oh, wow. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like this local legend from um, 
Loveland, Ohio, of this humanoid frog. There's there's videos out there that claim that this thing exists. Looks like a little <laughs> this frog that's <laughs> the same size as a person just walking around. That is interesting. Yeah, yeah. there's one uh, artistic rendering that has him with a straight six pack of abs. <laughs> really, he does a lot of crunches. The the Loveland frog. <laughs> Maybe uh, just hopping around just really strengthens your core like that. Absolutely, oh. yeah. He's doing like upright crunches, you know. Um, so you have some that are kind of ridiculous that yeah, you know. One I think that's a little bit more compelling is uh Mukuli Momembe. And this is a supposed dinosaur in the Congo River basin. What is that again? Can you tell me Mukuli Mobimbe? Okay. I just want to get you to say it again. Mukuli Mobimbe. <laughs> Every time I do a slip into Ugandan. Yes, it is the best dinosaur you have ever seen. Mm. Uh, this one is a little bit more fascinating. I don't think this is quite as fringy as some of the other ones. So the Congo River Basin is basically the most remote wildlife um, sanctuary mm-hmm. on Earth today. Yeah, the, the most unexplored right. piece, of, um, piece of Earth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's essentially like so remote that to get to certain parts of the Congo river basin, um, it would take you somewhere like three or four weeks just by boat to get to certain parts of this. So actual biologists and zoologists have, um, discovered wildlife in these parts of the world that, I mean, literally are uninhabited. Nobody's there that are, you know, incredible, right? There's things in this part of the world that we've never, really been able to explore because it's so remote it's so far off the grid and it's actually really dangerous um for a number of reasons like mainly um it's a very politically unstable area of the country um but it's also very um you know because it's so far off the grid there's a lot of things that could kill you there's a lot of ways you could die and then you'd be three or four weeks removed from getting back to civilization so uh there are reports that there is a creature in the Congo river basin that many people have reported seeing that looks basically like a dinosaur. And, um, there's an audio recording somewhere out there, uh, that I've heard of a scientist that got out there and this dinosaur, like in the middle of the night popped its head up and started making a hissing sound. And he allegedly hit the record button on a tape recorder and captured the, the sound of this creature um, so pretty interesting. And that one seems a little bit more credible. You know, of course it's just eyewitness accounts. There's no photographs or anything like that, but it's pretty interesting. There are many eyewitness accounts of this creature and, uh, you, one could see how in a place that remote, that far off the grid, that unique of an ecosystem, a creature could exist that wouldn't mm-hmm. exist other places. So that's a little bit more credible than some of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, there's the Cuba, Cuba Cabre. It's like a Puerto Rican cryptid, the goat sucker. Um, <laughs> there's the lizard man of Skateboard Swamp in Lee County, South Carolina. <laughs> that one's a little bit less credible. We have to go slower. I'm, I'm like looking all these up in Google <laughs> to see. What else slow down, slow down. Yeah, lizard lizard man of Skateboard Swamp. Okay, let's see, lizard man of Skate. This one's a really oh interesting my. one. That is terrifying. Did you, find, did you find one? Yeah, I'm just looking at some some artistic some some Google. Let's see. 
that'll keep you in your bed at night. Yeah. My word. Yeah, that's... uh. Yeah, you won't find me in the uh, the ore swamp camping out anytime soon. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty terrifying. If you if you ever Googled it, and it's a local legend. There's people that claim to have seen this lizard man walking around in Lee County, South Carolina. Uh, one that's really interesting is the Mothman. Yeah, of, I've heard of that. I've heard of that. Yeah, there was a movie. And it was based out of. Um, certain part of West Virginia. It's called the Mothman prophecies. If everybody's ever, anybody's ever heard of that movie. Um, there was a book written in 1975. Um, basically it was a novelization of real life, uh, sightings of this large winged creature called the Mothman in Point Pleasant, West Virginia during 1966 and 1967. And all these different sightings were basically connected to the collapse of this bridge Hmm. in this area. Um, Really, really interesting. Like, I think that's a, that's one that fascinates me more, more from a supernatural standpoint because different people claimed to have seen a creature that, um, you know, had wings and had like glowing red eyes and, you know, w- would be what we would associate through like, you know, medieval art with like a demonic creature mm-hmm. or like an mm-hmm. angel of darkness. Mm-hmm. Right. And different people had verified all these different sightings of a creature that looked kind of the same. And they were all kind of connected to like this big thing's going to happen. And then a bridge collapsed and a lot of people died. And so it's just really, it's fascinating researchers. <clears throat> of course, people without a Christian worldview look at that and say, well, maybe he was a UFO, uh, you know, extraterrestrial that came to warn people about this, you know, upcoming thing. And I would say, no, I think something else going on if that really was a thing, you know. Um, but that's a really interesting one. You could go down the rabbit hole looking about the Mothman and reading the book, The Mothman Prophecies. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the skunk ape, our friend Dave Sheely is obsessed with him. Um, one would say that's kind of similar to Bigfoot, maybe a little bit different than Bigfoot, a really stinky Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then two cryptids that uh, are actually in the Bible that have got a lot of people very interested is something in the book of Job that's mentioned in Job chapter 40. And I'll look that up. Uh, of a creature called behemoth in job chapter 40 and job is the oldest book of the bible so even though our bible is written starting in genesis most scholars agree that the oldest book is actually the book of job and so um the book of job mentions this character i'll just read it it says um about this creature leviathan and about this creature behemoth but about behemoth he says behold behemoth which i made as i made you he eats grass like an ox behold his strength is in his loins his power and the muscles of his belly he makes his tail stiff like a cedar the sinews of his thighs are knit together his bones are tubes of bronze his limbs like bars of iron it kind of seems like if you're reading it behemoth seems to be like a dinosaur almost Mm -hmm. 
Um, especially the whole, his tail is like a cedar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really have a creature that we know of that lives now that looks like that. But um, that's a really interesting one, especially some of the host of the evolutionary worldview that humans and dinosaurs didn't exist together at the same time. How would the writer of Job been able to report on a behemoth mm. or this large animal that we don't have an identity for? And then the next chapter of the book of Job talks about Leviathan. Job 41, starting in verse 1, says, Can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Uh, I'll skip down to verse seven. Can you fill his skin with harpoons or lay his head with fishing spears? Um, down to 15, it says his back is made of rows of shields shut up closely as with a seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They're joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. His sneezing, sneezings flash forth light and his eyes are like the eyelids of the dawn. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. One could look at that and say, well, it's describing a crocodile. Yeah, maybe so. But the descriptions we get for this character or this creature, we don't really have anything like that. <laughs> and the Bible gives us two cryptids, essentially. And so trying to figure out what to do with that is really, really interesting. Yeah, you know, I'd always have every now and then you have a young, a young person come to me and say, uh, you know, like, do you believe that humans, do you believe that dinosaurs still exist or something like that? Or do you think, do you think humans and dinosaurs coexist? And, and I would be like, uh, yeah, dinosaurs are still around. And they'd be like, wait, what? And I'd be like, yeah, I believe dinosaurs are still in existence. And they'd be like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, what, what's a dinosaur? And they would be like, uh, a large reptile. And I was like, well, do we have any large reptiles that live right now? Yeah, but I mean, these have to be like large, like the kind that eat people. And I'm like, do we have any large reptiles that eat people in the world right <laughs> now? in the state of Florida, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, not like not like that, just dinosaurs. And I'm like, well, yeah. the, the term dinosaur is so unscientific. It just is I mean, a very broad lizard. term. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Why do you think people get so fascinated and enthralled by the idea that there are creatures that exist that maybe go beyond the established um, understanding of the animal kingdom. Hmm. Well, some of them, they, they may have legitimately seen something that they can't fit into a category. Hmm. So I think there's that, that side and there's people who are like, yeah, I, I really, I have, I saw something. It wasn't very clear. It was darting and I couldn't make it out quick enough. And I don't know what category of animal to put that in. Hmm. Um, and so maybe it resembled something of one of these cryptids. Um, and then there's people I think that are just completely fabricating events and stories and observations and just looking to find fame and glory. Sure. Um, but then there, I think there's very likely people who have come in contact with super beings from a supernatural realm and they again, don't know what category to put those in. So, yeah. So they've had an experience and they don't have a category for how mm-hmm. to classify that experience. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And what's interesting is that fascination with, like cryptids, cryptozoology, monsters. And that goes back to like ancient times. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can read as far back as the Babylonian Empire and even further back than that. People had this 
fascination with and there's folklore that exists about like dragons and trolls and stuff like and it's interesting we have common folklore in places like china and babylon and even in europe for dragons and things like that and it's all common even though these are separate civilizations like what are some reasonable explanations we have for these kinds of common folklore of these creatures that these people were writing about and imagining stories about. And, you know, do you think they're based on any sort of reality or is it just people's imagination? I think some of them could be based on reality, you know, especially dragons. Um, they could be a, an exaggerated, uh, accounts of, you know, someone's encounter with one of these now extinct species of, of large reptiles that we mm -hmm. unfortunately call dinosaurs. Um, cause yeah, I, I do believe there's a very high likelihood that dinosaurs and humans coexisted with one another. So yeah, these, these dragons could be an exaggerated retelling and, and these stories that we've kind of, um, elaborated on, I guess, and over time. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that may be the root of it. There's kind of this commonality right. between different civilizations. Yeah. And what about like, um, you know, people's obsession with like, trolls or goblins or things like that i mean is there is it possible that you know the same kinds of supernatural creatures mm -hmm. that aren't really trolls or goblins in a physical sense maybe they're interdimensional or supernatural sure, sure sightings that people see and they you know start creating a folklore and a mythology around it i mean do you think that's reasonable yeah i think that's very reasonable sure yeah it's pretty interesting once you get into you can go down the rabbit hole when you start researching folklore and folklore that different civilizations have about different creatures. Cause then one, one has to ask, okay, if this is all just made up, this is all just in the imagination of humans. Like mm -hmm. who was the first person that just decided, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> there are these little things called, you know, whatever. And they do terrible things and they're mischievous and they're, you know, and that could be that that's just what it was. It was just stories that people told around campfires, you know? Yeah. Or it could be maybe it was based on an observation that someone had with a a real experience, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we don't really know, but it's interesting to kind of think about. Yeah, it seems like we've had this very long relationship and fascination with the unknown and the the darkness that's out there, the, mm -hmm. deep, the deep waters. And we've always wondered what, like just, you know, talking about the Congo, for instance, it's like, man, that'd be so cool to take a, a motorboat up into a river in the Congo and just, it just, I don't know, be there at their sundown and be like, Oh, this yeah. is super creepy. Like, I don't know why I have this like desire to want to go creep myself out in the dark in the middle of the Congo. <laughs> it's like, it's but, the unknown though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like this, yeah. it's this weird, cautious fascination with that. Mm -hmm. But I think the problem is, is when that blends with, uh, spiritualist or shamans or these ancient people who have, been to the spiritual dark place let's call it and they they then merge that and overlap that with um and kind of tease our own fascination with those things right with with what they've really encountered or yeah what you know just the average lay person has encountered from that realm sure well and kind of shifting gears for a second let's kind of let's talk about that i mean the link between the occult and cryptozoology mm-hmm sounds a little bit bizarre if you've never really researched it but then when you really start diving into it there's a definite link between those two things hmm. 
Um, and like you said, it goes back a long, 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 long time with people in, in pagan kind of shamanistic cultures tying in understanding of maybe observable things with their own sort of spiritual understandings of it. And that's actually happening a lot more now than I think most people realize. Um, mm. I found this from, this is a book called Deviance Managements from Christopher Bader and Joseph Baker. It's an academic book, so it's not, it's not a very entertaining read, but um, I found this super fascinating. I'll read this paragraph and then we'll unpack it. They wrote this. They said, Bigfoot is reportedly a very tall, hairy, upright walking, human-like creature that roams wooded areas. While most members of the Bigfoot community share an ardent belief that the creature is real, with many claiming personal encounters, the subculture is actually split into two major camps. Some believe that Bigfoot is merely an undiscovered form of higher order primate and therefore that the Bigfoot subculture should attempt to mimic previous efforts by naturalists to document undiscovered species. In contrast, an equally enthusiastic camp believes that Bigfoot is not merely an animal, but some form of spiritual being that has telepathic powers, the ability to slip into other dimensions, and perhaps even hitches rides on UFOs. Hmm. The first time I read this, I had to stop and like reread that like three times. Like, wait, what? <laughs> um, interesting things to note. The first is, it's very interesting to me that many who are Bigfoot researchers and enthusiasts are obsessive. Where it seems like they do nothing but devote their lives to finding this creature. They're just obsessed over it. Like our, our buddy Dave Sheely. I mean, that's mm -hmm. literally his life calling. Like he's going to find this creature and there's nothing else about Dave Sheely that he wants you to know. Second thing that's really interesting to me is many supposed Bigfoot sightings have traits that are very similar to UFO and UAP sightings. Mm. So many Bigfoot sightings report seeing things like strange lights, orange orbs, fast-moving objects that are all seen in tandem with this massive bipedal creature all around the same time. Hmm. Another commonality in Bigfoot sightings is this sudden, weird, unnatural silence in the forest that happens right before they sight this creature. As well as kind of this feeling of trauma or... Hmm darkness or kind of irrational fear following a Bigfoot sighting. Like people report of just feeling very overwhelmed by these kind of emotions that they can't explain. So within the cryptid community, there is this growing hypothesis that Bigfoot is not a um, natural creature, not a physical creature, but an interdimensional being that, early folklore describes ghosts, devils, and witches as being hairy. And so many in the cryptic community are now saying that what Bigfoot is, is not at all physical. It's actually a interdimensional being. It's some sort of a creature that's spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy who is up in Oregon, I believe it is. Um, but he was interviewed by this newspaper and he was there basically asking him, he actually has like this conference and this like, clinic 
where he teaches people how to communicate with Sasquatches. But um, wow. one of the things uh, the reporter asked him, they're like, what are some of the messages the Sasquatch people give you? Do they have views on the way that we live? And he says, yes, they say a lot of what we do is childish because we are unaware of the rest of the cosmos and what is going on in the world and what we're doing on the planet. They said right now the planet is dying. And if we don't do something, the humans on the planet will number uh, will will be number one on the extinction list. They also said that World War Three has basically started, but they just haven't dropped the bombs yet. Uh, that's that it's going in this direction. So, like this guy is a teacher on how to telepathically communicate with these with these hmm. what he calls Sasquatch people. So, just that, like in the other episode, we talked about how there's that uh, <laughs> a whole movement to communicate telepathically with UFOs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this guy, and, and according to him, Sasquatch people have a higher level of awareness and consciousness and, you know, awareness of what's going on in the cosmos. Apparently that's, it's really fascinating, but it's also wow. like, you're like, oh, this is really sketchy. Yeah. Well, there's a, a couple who are ghost hunters and apparently they traveled here to Tennessee to make contact with Bigfoot mm -hmm. as ghost hunters, which I never in a million years would have thought there's a connection there between ghost hunters and Bigfoot. Uh, but the woman in this couple, Lorraine Warren, allegedly had a telepathic connection with Bigfoot. And she, based you know, on that contact, concluded that Bigfoot was not a physical being. Hmm. And this is what she said. And I had to look this up because I had no idea what she's talking about. She says, it is my belief that Bigfoot is a tulpa. And I didn't know what a tulpa was, so I had to look up what a tulpa was. A tulpa is an object or being created through spiritual or mental powers. Basically like a willed imaginary friend. It's like a mind projection. So someone telepathically connects with this being, and then as they're connecting with them telepathically, then they happen to materialize. And this Thanks. is like a really... I know, isn't that weird? It's, it's really big in like... Um, kind of the psychic spiritualist community of having a tulpa, like a spiritual thing that doesn't have a body, but then as you connect with them and talk with them, then it manifests, <laughs> which is Christians were going, Oh wow. Yeah. That's not good. Right. Um, so these ghost hunters basically said, and this is their words, not mine. Uh, so is the Loch Ness monster and many others. Now you see it. Now you don't creatures that get reported to the press. Wow. Yeah, they say these communities refer to tulpa practitioners as tulpa mancers. Yeah, so like a necromancer summons the dead, a tulpa mancer summons these unseen creatures. Oh. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah, it is. So um, that's when, you know, our, our study of cryptids and cryptozoology takes a very interesting and fascinating turn into the world of the supernatural. Mm. Um. And so when we think about that idea, like as believers in Jesus and followers of Christ, we believe in a real spiritual world, angels, demons, real devil, all that stuff. Like why would an a, a evil spirit, right, if we were going to call it, if that's what it is, why would they masquerade somehow as these creatures? Would it be just to like keep people enslaved and obsessed over it? If that's, that's what's going on. 
Yeah, I'm just not sure. Or, or it's kind of like a bait and switch kind of situation where they're like, hey, we are real, we're a natural creature. And then, yeah, like you said, it's kind of this rabbit trail they take you down of like, let me let me suck you into this uh, topomancing community. And in doing so, you relinquish control over into that dark spiritual realm, that demonic realm. Yeah, and, and we're not saying that everybody obsessed with Bigfoot is into that. Yeah. Most correct. people who are obsessed with Bigfoot, I would say, are not. They see Bigfoot as a natural phenomenon. But if you really get down the rabbit hole with it, there's a growing subset of Bigfoot hunters that are starting to think this is some sort of a supernatural interdimensional being that, you know, like Stephen Greer has a whole group mm-hmm. of people. He's saying, let's let's communicate with UFOs telepathically. There's ghost hunters that say, let's communicate with these creatures these tulpas um telepathically as well Mm. yeah which richard greer was in the movie mothman Ooh, there's (laughs) your gear not greer (laughs) yeah gear sorry (laughs) hey that was an interesting that would have been an interesting correlation Ooh, Uh, coincidence i think not and unfortunately his name is richard gear Oh, but they probably changed their names to hide uh, <laughs> hide the connection. Yeah, man, it's all the deep state. Yeah. Yeah, so um, another interesting thought is that um, like a one subset of cryptozoology is people who are into supernatural cryptozoology. These are interdimensional spiritual beings. But another subset of cryptozoology is Christian cryptozoology. <laughs> and so this is the young earth creationist crowd. So like uh, Answers in Genesis or the folks that put on the Ark Encounter, Mm -hmm. um, Ken Ham. Um, There's a a growing uh, group within kind of that young earth creationist crowd who's gotten into cryptozoology. And so if you go to just their website, the Answers in Genesis website, they have a a webpage called Monsters Real, Imagined, or Unidentified. And uh, basically, and this is an interesting theory, and Gabe and I were talking about it before the podcast, and I'll just read it. It says, finding a creature alive that was previously thought to be extinct is not unusual. And while a big surprise for evolutionists, it's no shock to those who accept the Bible's account of history. For example, if conclusive evidence showed that Nessie, that's the Loch Ness Monster, and Champ, that's the creature on Lake Champlain, were living plesiosaurs, those are dinosaurs, the evolutionary community would be completely astounded because plesiosaurs are said to have gone extinct with the dinosaurs some 65 million years ago. The creationist community, however, would not be surprised or would be surprised, but not at a loss to explain it as the Bible teaches that plesiosaurs were created on day six of creation week just 6,000 years ago and most likely died sometime after the flood 4,300 years ago. In fact, there is much evidence in various art found around the world that indicates humans interacted with these creatures after the flood an idea completely consistent with a biblical worldview. So that's an interesting premise that a lot of these uh, cryptids are dinosaurs that still exist somehow. Yeah. You know, I went to the Ark Encounter, uh, I think it was last August. And it was so, it was a, it was an interesting experience. It felt the closest I think you can get to possibly being at like, uh, you, ever, you ever heard of the, the PTL? Uh, retreat. Yes, we had with the big Jimmy <laughs> Jimmy Fay Baker thing. I've walked around the ruins of Heritage Land USA. So yes, really, yeah. I didn't know that. Wow, yep. that's I'll super interesting. Yep. Yeah, I'd like to hear that. So, but they were in, in the Ark Encounter. It was like they were 
really into dinosaurs. Uh, so yeah. many different dinosaurs there. Um, but one of the funny features they had was like it showed a, like a like this animatronic um, Noah as he's exiting the ark. He has this like I don't know what kind of dinosaur it was like a brontosaurus, like a baby brontosaurus like splayed out on the on an altar and like burning on this altar no I'm like oh that's no. why the dinosaurs went extinct noah killed him yeah but i'm like no i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure noah did not sacrifice <laughs> a dinosaur well what, isn't that that wouldn't be considered kosher would it no a reptile uh, yeah no but it's just it's just funny because you know they're really you could tell they're really almost bending over kind of forcing it a little bit too much bending over yeah. backwards of this this uh this dinosaur and human coexistence thing yeah. um but yeah, it was it was a it was an interesting experience. But having grown up kind of in that world, in the charismatic evangelical world, where you know you watch Kent Hovind and you do you know it's like right, right, you, right. You, and and having done a Becca homeschool curriculum as a child for a couple of years, you are kind of immersed in that. But I would love to go. I would like to take just a straight up atheist off the street to the Ark Encounter and be like, okay, just tell me what you're thinking like just yeah. explain to me what is in your mind right now that'd be you, so fascinating you can actually watch bill nye the science guy mm -hmm. touring the ark encounter with ken ham on yeah. youtube yeah i've watched it yeah it is really really painful to get through because every single exhibit there's a point of argument yeah like every exhibit like that's the bill one where the, can the go back crowd the crowd beat around them grows larger and larger and larger yeah, as they're, as, as they're yeah. walking. And then, yeah, that's, it's, yeah. it was interesting, but yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's very painful. Very, <laughs> they're just, they're not getting anywhere in their conversation. No. And every, I mean, literally every single Ken Ham will be like, over here, we have him, blah, 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 the dinosaurs. And Bill Nye's like, you cannot possibly explain how that's true. And so, I mean, it's just, <laughs> that was my Ken Ham impersonation. But it was funny. Cause like the arc encounter, you're walking through and you're like going through this, animatronic zoo essentially and then they dump you out into this like little theater room where they give you like this video of the roman road presentation you know on this like big screen tv and so you're sitting there with a bunch of other people and they they hmm. basically give you the gospel presentation after like it's it's really i mean it's it's interesting um yeah but it it felt like it it just felt like I know I know like thirty years from now this is going this this is going to look like something and God forbid I hope not but going to feel like something like the PTL, uh, right? What was that called again? Uh, Heritage Land USA. Heritage was, Land, uh, yeah. If, yeah. If, you, if you're listening to this, you have no idea what that is. So PTL was a Christian television network in the 1980s, and they created their own Christian theme park, and so everything was like you know how disney world has the um cavalcade parade with all the disney characters they would have a parade the same time every day but it would be mm -hmm. like bible characters <laughs> and like you know it was just really campy and cheesy and over yeah. the top and and so it's kind of become a punchline now anytime you talk about jim and tammy faye baker it's kind of just become like a you know a joke because they were basically indicted for fraud because they were overselling timeshares that didn't exist and he went to prison and now he's back on the air oh yeah selling doomsday survivalist stuff so yeah have you seen his uh his jim baker buckets <laughs> yes you and i have swapped videos back and forth oh, okay. he's he's uh eating mac and cheese that apparently when the 
the global nuclear apocalypse comes, if you have Jim Baker's uh, rice buckets, you'll be fine. So maybe maybe he's the he's the Loveland Frogman. <laughs> maybe that's him. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting, man. I hadn't, I've not been to the Ark Encounter. Um, I've had a lot of people tell me about it, and you and I have gone back and forth. And you can go back if you're wondering kind of how we feel about um, the Book of Genesis and the creation accounts. Neither mm. Gabe or I uh, have any problem with the young Earth creationist perspective, mm. like the six literal days. Um, I, I said this before we started recording. Like, I don't. I, I think that's a very literal, straightforward reading of the Genesis account, and I would say that's probably where I lean. But I think it doesn't have to be that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe in theistic evolution. I don't mm-hmm. believe that you know, somehow man evolved over time because then when you talk about man being made in the image and likeness of God, when would that have happened? Right. Is Neanderthal made in the image and likeness of God is pit man made in the image and likeness of God. Like when did that, when did God's spirit in that sense, enter into the nostrils of man and he became a living creature as mm-hmm. Genesis two says. Right. Yeah. So I don't think theistic evolution is compatible with the biblical narrative, but I think there's other understandings of the biblical narrative that, um, also might be compatible that would have an old earth and young humanity. And so we've talked about that back and forth. So mm-hmm. um, I don't, I just think where I, I get a little uncomfortable is any Christian that preaches that um, that's a major, like if mm-hmm. you don't believe in a six day literal young earth creation, then you somehow don't believe the Bible and you somehow are not being a faithful follower of Jesus. I think that's a stretch. Mm-hmm. So that's just me. Yeah. 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 So concluding our exploring the paranormal series, three conclusions. And I'd love to just bat them around and talk about them. First conclusion is that there will always be a segment of the population that's obsessed and fascinated by fringe conspiracies, <laughs> whether it's UFOs, whether it's poltergeist or whether it's cryptozoology, there's always going to be a group of people that they're just obsessed with that. And that's all they want to talk about. So I think while it's interesting to talk about and research, those things can quickly become a distraction from the main and plain truths and realities we're called to live in. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so true. And that's the conspiracy in and of itself is like we get sucked into looking into these things, which we're completely powerless to have any effect over to begin with. But the bigger conspiracy is that we've lost all this precious time, which is our right. our most most precious commodity we have looking into these things. And so we're falling for one of the greatest conspiracies there is. Right. Ironically. Yeah. And I think that if, if there is demonic deception happening in a lot of these paranormal activities, which I would say there is demonic deception happening, that's really their end game is distraction, Mm. distraction, just distraction from the gospel, distraction from the call of the, uh, the gospel to make disciples and to preach uh, the, the good news of Jesus. Um, second conclusion is this, the human imagination is a powerful thing. Mm. We should never underestimate the power of human beings to create, speculate, or fabricate realities when there's nothing there. And I think yeah. that goes for all of these, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like what percentage of these things, when we talk about UFOs, cryptozoology, like what percentage is real observable phenomena and what percentage do you think is just the human imagination if i had to wager if i had to guess yeah oh. do you say 80 20 like 80 percent 
Yeah. Fantasy yeah, I, 20% I was say, real. Yeah. I would say, I would say, yeah, that's a pretty good wager, but I, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Right. Yeah. I think depending on where you are on the fringe, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're way out there in the fringe, you'd be like, no, it's 50, 50. Well, or, I mean, the next camping trip I go on, I'm going to like just get <laughs> tackled by Skunk Ape and he's just going <laughs> to just pommel me in the ground. Just give you wedgies. Yeah. <laughs> just over and over and over again. Uh, conclusion like, number three. Jim, okay. Jim Gaffigan says that we're like pre, pre-packaged human tacos when we go, <laughs> when we go camping. We're like, let me pre-package myself for the... Anyways, sorry. Yeah. Conclusion three. There is such a thing as a spiritual dimension. We don't live in a purely material world. There are really unseen spiritual entities, angels and demons. They are at war with one another. There really is a kingdom of darkness that lives to deceive, distract, and destroy humanity. So anytime we talk about the paranormal, paranormal, whether that's poltergeist, ghosts, whether that's UFOs, UAPs, or whether that's crypto zoology cryptid creatures we got to remember that there is such a thing as the paranormal now that doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. everything that's observable we can't explain is paranormal or spiritual right Mm -hmm. we talked about this last episode it very well could be that some things we can't explain could be natural phenomena that we just don't understand yet but there is such a thing as a spiritual dimension we got to keep that in mind as we talk about all these things yeah so i think the best advice first first peter five be sober-minded be yes. watchful. That's it. Absolutely. Don't get swept up in any imaginative hype or sensation, uh, you know, news. Just be sober-minded. Be watchful. 100%. Yeah. Well, Gabe, do you want to go on a skunk ape hunting expedition sometime? I do. I do, actually. <laughs> I am yet to meet Dave Sheely in person, but I would just like Just go to. down to Lake Okeechobee and hang out with the guy. I'm sure he had some cool stories. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Well, thank everybody for listening or for watching. And uh, if you have any questions on any of these or maybe some cryptids that you've observed mm-hmm. or you have questions on, we'd love to hear your stories, your observations. So, uh, yeah, you can send I us just, an email. Yeah, go, go with the email address. But I, I just I want to point out an observation after you do. Yeah. Okay. Beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. That's the email address. So go ahead. You know, we're now video. And yeah. The unfortunate thing about that is I just realized I'm wearing the same shirt I wore. <laughs> I'm wearing the same exact thing I wore in the last video. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you Sorry. just have like a whole closet full of the same shirts that you just pick out? Yeah. What was his name? Uh, Ernest. Ernest. Yeah. The, the, the Ernest best. movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and today, I don't know if you're watching on YouTube, but um, I'm wearing a shirt in honor of mm. not a cryptid, but, but someone Harambe. who, uh, yeah, rest in peace, Harambe. So, mm. Yeah. So he was not a cryptid. He was a, a very real hero. Rest in I, peace. I love that you went on Amazon just just to purchase that just shirt. Just to purchase Harambe. For yeah. this episode. No, it wasn't for this episode. I've had this shirt a long time. So oh, okay. I, I think novelty shirts are hilarious if they're the right kind of novelty. And sorry, sorry, sorry. I questioned your Harambe loyalty. You, you questioned my dedication to Harambe, all right? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, never do that again. Well, Well, that's our show. (laughs) I hope everybody had a great time listening and uh, send us an email, send us a Facebook message. See you guys next time. All right, everybody, that's our show. A big shout out to our musical producer, Chase Payton, for new intro and outro tracks. 
And if you like what you've heard today, subscribe, give us a share, or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com.